For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm not a betting guy. For y'all that are, there's Bet Online. Bet Online is back and better than ever. With a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE50, B-L-E-A-5-0, BELIEVE50, to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, baseball postseason, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Believe in Kentucky. My name is Vinny Hardy. As always, y'all go straight to Believe.com. You can get this episode of the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate, subscribe, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. We got another great guest on here. Go way back to the early days of Mark Stoops' time when he first got to UK talking about the signal caller who was there calling the shots we got Jalen Whitlow on here this evening man Jalen how you doing I'm good man how about yourself can't complain can't complain man I'm with you can't complain appreciate you taking the time to hop on um just you know looking back at how fast the time has gone by you know Stoop says it all the time in his press conferences you know I've been here nine years and it's just boom and you, know, you flash back to 2012 2013 you were here kind of when he first got there, man. So what was that like for you? Yeah, so uh, I remember the day he, you know, he got, he showed up here, you know, or showed up in Lexington. I remember that. Um, I remember we, we met him in the field house or in the, uh, the indoor facility and whatnot, you know, and shook his hand and whatnot. You know, it was like an, an exciting time because we knew that, uh, you know, you just knew that a change was on the horizon. You just, you know, people can feel it. Um, obviously everything takes time, but we knew that change, you know, was there and it was, you know, it, it showed up at our doorstep. So, um, you know, I, I, I appreciate it. Coach Stoops, you know, obviously I ended up transferring, but like I tell people all the time, people, I meet a lot of Kentucky fans here in Georgia, man, a whole bunch of them. It seemed like a couple of times a week I do. And I tell people all the time, Stoops is, I, I knew Stoops was going to do great. I knew coach was going to do great. Um, he's a player's coach. The players love him. 
Um, you know, he just he's an honest guy. You know, he tells you like it is, you know, good or bad. And I always had a good relationship with him. He was always, you know, I always respected him. So, um, you know, that's, you know, what that was. But, yeah, I remember the day he showed up, man. I remember uh, me and Fred Tiller, who was my roommate at the time. You know, we left the dorm to go meet him uh, and whatnot. And, you know, it was on from there. And it's crazy. He'll, he even says it, you know, in press conferences now, you'll hear him say kind of uh, – he said something the other day. It's it's in vogue now to be relatable. Like like coaches now are trying to make themselves be players' coaches that maybe hadn't been before because you got the transfer portal and you got things of that nature. And he said, you know, he said I've been me this whole time. And he said, yeah. dudes know I've been real the whole time. He said you got guys. Basically, he said you got guys that are trying to trying to front and be that now that hadn't been that before. But he just kind of been him the whole time, and it's just kind of to your point. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, like you say, I'm a coach, and I know the impact that coaching can have on young, impressionable athletes that want to better their future, want to, you know, get to the next level. Uh, and that's just, you know, I don't want to be negative, but sadly, you don't always get that from coaches, especially in college. And sometimes, you know, you can kind of understand because there's so much going on. You get reported in so many different ways. You got recruiting. You got 130-something players on the roster you got to deal with. You got, you know, a high, very high number of uh, staff and support staff that you have to interact with every day. You just, you know, you got to be a special person, honestly, to be at that level and have the amount of wherewithal and be where your feet are to be able to create relationships and develop those relationships and just be real because it's so much built on being – fake, you know, just to be honest with you. But, you know, I never got that from Coach Stoops. He was always, like I said, he was always honest with me, man, good or bad, whether, you know, the tough losses, which we had a couple, <laughs> a few, but, you know, even the good things, he was always honest. You know, he, he and I respected that, man. As a player, as a grown man now, you know, 27 years old, I respect that, What you know, the stuff that he told me when I was 19. You know, it was just honest, you know, whether things I need to work on, Things I got to do well or I got to get up, you know, stay on the sideline, right? And that's those, those things right there, man. It's just, you know, you you get to a certain point where you just respect it. That's the only word I can really come up with. So I'm, I'm happy to see, you know, they are starting to really have real success now. You know, I hope it continues uh, because I think he got a great staff. You know, he's a great coach. He's a great program builder. Uh, I know his name's starting to swirl and some, you know, some rumors around here, but at the same time, you know, if he stay at Kentucky, it's only going to, you know, keep increasing because he's going to keep being good players. So, um, yeah, I have, you know, I have nothing negative to say about the guy. You know, he's always been, been positive and it's always been uh, – it was always uh, fun to play for a coach who understood his players. And and guys talk, right? I mean, the guys that are there now, we got the transfer portal now. It was, it was a few years after you were there, but, you know, We've seen Will Levis coming from Penn State. We've seen Darren Rosenthal transfer to Kentucky from LSU. Jacquez Jones from Ole Miss. Um, and I'm blanking. Wondell Robinson from Nebraska. Right. Four guys all making an impact. Mm -hmm. If the vibe hadn't have been what it is, you know, maybe they inquire. Guys would be like, man, maybe you don't want to. Yeah, maybe this ain't the place. But dudes talk, and, and obviously – 
you know, the, the word is kind of spreading that, hey, this is this is a place where you want to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and people see it. You know, it's easy to see it. And Waka Flocka Flame said it the best. You know, he was in, he was around the program. He said, you know, he was honest. He said it feel like if it's a good energy around and feel like guys are relaxed and, you know, it's like a family type atmosphere. And I know everybody throw that around. It's so cliche. There's a family atmosphere. I mean, you know, recruiting, everybody throws that around. But uh, I haven't been back there in a while. I know when, when you just get to a program, because I'm a high school coach and I know how it is. When you, when you get there, you got to set the groundwork for, you know, so it's not a lot of smiling and that type of thing going on. But once you lay the foundation, you know, it really starts to manifest. And that's what's happening. You know, he he laid the foundation of the expectations, the the culture there. And, you know, and that's what it is. Like I said, players talk, man. You know, players talk. Those guys know, you know, they know what they're getting when they get there with Coach Stoops. You know, it's just, you know, a guy who just – who's a player's coach. You know, and I know that's another word that people just throw around, but it's just the truth. You know, he's going to tell you the truth. He's going to coach you hard, but he's also going to – be in your corner, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day. So, uh, like I said, you know, I, I, I just – you hit the nail on the head, players talk, right, and they get, they get around, positive things get around to the guys. And here's the thing, you you said you and Fred went to meet him for the first time, and you said you could tell, you know, it was going to take some time, but you knew he was going to get Kentucky turned around. This was a dude – who had never been a head coach before. He'd been a coordinator at Miami and Florida State, but it's still different sliding over to a head coach. Stepping into the SEC, first time as a head coach at a Kentucky program that's down, I mean, losing to Vanderbilt, getting blown out by Vanderbilt, and you still could tell that, you know, he had it together. You know, I just think, you know, some people is just in their veins, man, you know, it's just in his veins, you know, his dad was a longtime coach, his brothers, you know. So he came from Florida State, if I'm not mistaken. At the time he was leaving, he left Florida State. So Florida State, very successful program. Jimbo Fisher, great coach, right? So um, we knew that the pedigree was there, right? We knew that as a 19-year-old kid, 18-year-old kid at that time, you just, I was 18. Yeah, I was 18 when I met him. So you're just thinking like, you know, he's coming from Florida State. Florida State is this. We see Florida State playing top bowl games every year, national championship or whatnot. Um, you know, so this is what you're seeing. So you automatically assume you see his brother's coaching at Oklahoma. Other brother was at Arizona or somewhere at the time. So, you know, you hear about his dad was a longtime coach from Youngstown, Ohio, which is a great area. Coach Vince Morrow's from there. And many other guys had a couple uh, teammates from there too, so you 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 kind of know if you're in the football world, you know okay, there's there's something there, you know what I'm saying? There's hope, you know what I'm saying? It's, there's <laughs> hope there. So and not to not to discredit, you know, because the the staff before that, because it's a lot of guys on that staff that I still talk to to this day, and I love. But you know, at the end of the day, we know what it's about. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day. So uh, we and we know that what it's about, we needed that for us to give, have a chance to get where we wanted to go. So, um, you know, that's what it was, man. So, you know, it, like I said, I, that's what it is. You know, and he we knew that it was hope there and we had a chance to to do something. Now, 
you know, we didn't do that my first his first year there, which was my last year playing there at thir- in 13. Yeah. But at the same time, there was a lot of good principles that, you know, got installed and instilled in the program and in the players. So, uh, I mean, you got to take the positive and be and be thankful for, for what it was, you know, so I, I learned a lot. And you mentioned that you're coaching now. So where, where are you coaching at? You can tell us a little bit about your program and what you Yeah. Coaching. So when I went to Eastern, I played at Eastern for two years, finished. I went to go train, do pro day. Right? Eastern yeah. Illinois, yep. Eastern Illinois, small division one school in Charleston, Illinois, in the middle of nowhere, literally. Um, you know, about two hours from St. Louis, about two and a half from Chicago, about two from Indianapolis. So it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, but great football pedigree. So I played there for two years. You know, Tony Romo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Sean Payton, Brad Childress, name him. Um, and I got a chance to come back after I got done training, decided I didn't want to do Canadian football. And I coached there for one year, for a whole calendar year pretty much. Um, and it was it was a great experience. And I, I, I remember sitting – I remember sitting on a couch in college watching. It was my last – I was getting ready to graduate soon. It was November, and I didn't go home for Thanksgiving. Uh, And I sat on the couch and watched my officer coordinator from my junior year of high school compete for a state championship that year. And I sat on the couch and watched the game, and it just looked fun to me. And it just – you know, I was like, okay, I want to do this. So I started creating my own playbook creating my quarterback rule book and, you know, all that type of stuff, applying for jobs. Ended up moving back to Alabama after I graduated. Uh, I was in Alabama for about maybe a month, and I took a job in Hilton Head, South Carolina, which is literally an island. It's called Hilton Head Island. And ironically, the principal went to Kentucky, who was there. She's from Kentucky. Um, Coach Phillips used to come down there and recruit. So Coach Joker, I used to see him all the time. But at the same time, you know, that's where I decided to go. So I stayed there for three years, quarterback, coach, officer, coordinator, fresh out of college. Didn't know anything. You know, thought I knew football until I became a coach. Knew that I didn't I didn't know anything until my last year there, I really started to kind of catch my feet, my foot in a little bit and learn. Um, then I decided to leave. Uh, went to went to the school in Texas, stayed there for, you know, a couple months because we got st- I got stuck here uh, during the pandemic. So I decided to just move to Georgia. So I moved to Georgia, started coaching quarterbacks at Sprayberry High School, which is in Marietta. Uh, I coached there for one season. Uh, first went to the second round of the playoffs, which was the first time in school history. Um, had a senior quarterback who was pretty good, got a chance to coach him. Uh, great experience. Uh, but then I got out of coaching high school ball. Now I'm just training quarterbacks. So uh, that's that's kind of the coaching I'm doing right now is more private coaching. Cool, cool. So – just you know, fine tuning guys and, and and kind of getting guys ready for you know when they when they yep. step up to the college level. Yeah, I mean, I I work with kids from fourth grade all the way up to high school, uh, and when my quarterback that I coach the quarterback at Hilton Head who's at Tennessee right now. Now it's crazy to say because he's at University of Tennessee, but he's a quarterback at University of Tennessee right now uh, under Josh Hyper, and I coached him in South Carolina. Um, so you know when he come back from What's college. Your- no, not Hooker. He's uh, his name is Gaston Moore. Okay. Um, so I, you know, when he comes back from college, I usually go down to South Carolina and work with him, um, and we talk often. Great kid, good, good athlete too, good quarterback. Um, 
but yeah, so I mean, from fourth grade all the way up to really college quarterbacks, I work with them all. Wow, that's good stuff, man. Good stuff. And we'll get to the cats too, but let's go ahead. You you have a book out mm-hmm. and you, you say you got another one in the works coming down the pipe. Yep. So this one's called Prepare, uh, the Guide to a Successful Collegiate Experience. So I advise, you know, high school athletes, college athletes, and their parents. Um, you know, there's a lot of good information in here. Uh, you know, like I said, decided to, you know, started during the pandemic, took a break because I was coaching, got out after the season, uh, picked it back up, took about three, four, five weeks, whatever it was, to finish it off. And uh, self-published it on Amazon. You can get that on Amazon. You can get uh, the Kindle version or paperback. And, um, you know, yeah, just something that I, I always wanted to do something other than – I always want to be known for something other than football. And I know this still got something to do with sports, but, you know, I always wanted to do something else. You know, and I, I was always eager to find something else I can do. So, you know, I took this up, and I'm like you said, I'm actually starting – I started my second book as well. I'm not going to reveal what that's about yet, but um, it's going to go in depth with some stuff that's already in in here. But it's also another topic that I'm going to touch. Um, and, you know, I advise college athletes and high school athletes to really, really grab that. It's something, and I was telling somebody this other day, it's something that if I, if I had this as a freshman, a lot of things would have been different. If I had this as a freshman in college. You know, that, that's just not I'm not saying that because I wrote it. I'm just saying it. Just being honest. Like there's information in here that I wish I would have known as an 18 year old kid. If I did, you know, it would have led to more questions and things would have been different. Um, that's all I'm say about that. But it's, it's one of those things, man. You know, I wish I could get in the hands of every single athlete out there that's in high school that, that aspire to play collegiate sports or that's already in college. I wish I could get this in, in their hands because it's just one of those things, man, that um, you don't know until you know, right? You don't know, you don't know until you know, man. And it's, you know, I'm giving some information to here. And the second book is going to go in, in detail, right? In more depth with some of this stuff. But all I can say is you don't know until you know. So if you're, you're a parent out there, grab this for your, your son or your daughter. It's, 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 it's going to help them out. I say it a lot. Uh, you you can't have perspective until you get perspective, you know, which is essentially the same yeah. thing. It's the truth. It's true, you know, it's, it's you, and you only get it when you get it. You can't, sometimes you can't rush it. Sometimes you wish you had it back a, right. a while ago, but you, you, you can't have it until you get it for sure. So I definitely, uh, we'll get the link on Amazon and put that on the social media for the podcast and, and tweet that out Appreciate to everybody that, and, and the Facebook page and the Twitter page Thank and you. IG and all that for sure. For sure. Um, speaking of, you know, you haven't been in, you haven't long been out of college, but stuff has changed quite a bit. You talked about, you know, wish you wish you'd known stuff just eight or nine years ago when you're 27. Um, NIL, being from Alabama, played at Kentucky, played at East Illinois, had NIL been a thing? You've probably been asked this already. What kind of deal would you have pursued? Would you have tried to get a little something back in your hometown? Would you? What would you have done in Lexington? What would you have done in Charleston, Illinois, NIL-wise, had that been in effect when you were in college? Man, to be honest with you, I was so 
as a college student, I was so naive to building my brand. And I had people tell my parents used to tell me, you know, keep a good image and that type of thing. But I was so naive to it. But just to, you know, kind of cut to the chase, I don't know how much stuff I would have pursued actively. I was so focused. I was all SEC academic two years in a row. Um, you know, not that that's, that's extremely hard to do, but it takes some work. And I was during the season, I was focused on just trying to get better, man, and help help my team as much as I could. So I was, you know, I was taught to be, you know, single focused. Now in the off season, I definitely would have probably pursued some things, but looking back at it, if I'm a college athlete now, pursue everything you can. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Pursue everything you can. Now be respectful to your coaches, your teammates, because you got a goal, right? But at the same time, don't pass up opportunities because you know, it's going to help you in the long run, whether it's lucrative or not, right? You, you're learning business. You're learning how to build relationships. You, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's the biggest thing. The money is what it is, is, is what it is. But you're learning how things work and how it runs. It's about the education. That's the biggest thing. So these guys getting these big deals, great. But they're all – I mean, the kid at Alabama, Bryce Young, 18, 19 years old, and he's been in business meetings, I'm sure. He's talked to he's 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 read contracts. He's been talking to certain people. So um he has a level of knowledge that most people don't even have at 35, but he's 18. So and his bank account's looking better than most people's too. So at the same time, you know, it's an exposure thing, it's a brand builder. But I think the biggest thing is the education. Yes, the money is good. Get the guys who can get money from it, who can make money from it, who can profit, great. But the amount of stuff that you can learn, the amount of things that you can take from it, I think is even better. Because now, you know, you like charging your battery, right? You charge your battery. Okay, now when Bryce Young become, you know, which I think he's going to be a first-round draft pick, when he becomes an NFL veteran, he's so well-versed. As a 36-year-old man now, 37, you know, whenever he decided to step away from the league, now got nowadays quarterback stepping away from the league at 44, I guess. But if he's, you know what I'm saying, if he, you know, he's 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 well ahead, he's light years beyond where most guys would be. So NIL is great. It was it was well, you know, it was definitely due. You know, but my spiel is, and I gotta say this. My spiel is the colleges in the NCAA are still not paying anything. Right. So they still got off the hook yep. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. They just they just signed a piece of paper that said, okay, you can the local businesses can pay you, or you can get businesses to pay you, local or not, but we're still not giving you a dime. Yeah. The, the, the institutions are still not giving you a dime. Mm-hmm. People can look at it for what it is. That's the truth. You know what I'm saying? That's just the honest truth. So they still off the hook, but at the same time, the players don't really care about that because all they see is, okay, opportunity and potential money. But the 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 crux of the problem is still the problem, kind of. You know, see what I'm saying? Um, but I know a lot of people kind of put it on the back burner, which is that's that's what they wanted. Uh the NCAA and these institutions, okay, it's on the back burner now because these guys are getting paid, even though it's not for months. But, you know, not to be negative or anything, but that's just the truth. You know what I'm saying? But at the end of the day, you know, shout out to the players. Build your brand. Get this book. 
learn how to do that. Um, but build your brand. You know what I'm saying? Build your brand and take advantage of the opportunity. And you talked about about Bryce. Um, there was even, you know, some skepticism, some little chatter that, oh, this once these guys get paid, it's gonna it's gonna detract and, and take away from their focus from the team. It's gonna and you talk about him already being in business meetings, him already having stuff in his bank account, and to be a freshman and still learn the game, he's still doing his thing on the field. He hasn't been out there and gone 12 of 48 with five picks. I mean, it ain't cool, you know? Yeah, I mean, he arguably the best quarterback in college football right now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? And people, you know, and I watched him, and he, he looks like a pocket passer, but if you watch the game, you watch the last game, who did they play last? Tennessee. If you watch the Tennessee game, he's one, he, he his legs are elite as well. So the guy's definitely not unfocused because of NIL. He's mm-hmm. focused. And I think a big part of that is being in a good program. Nick Saban's obviously probably the best coach we've, we've ever seen at a Division One level. Um, so, you know, that's that's helping too. He got a lot of support. He got people in his corner who's helping him kind of filter some of that stuff as well. But at the end of the day, um, it's hard to get 18-year-old kids to focus when they just got a Porsche deal. You know what I'm saying? It's tough. They, it, you know, I, I can only imagine. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to get an 18-year-old kid to focus when they just got a deal that's going to pay them, you know, north of a half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know only a select few got those, but like the kid from the kid, Quinn Ewers from Ohio State. Yeah. Man, he should be in high school right now. He's probably 17, mm-hmm. but he has over a million dollars in the bank. So you got to come from, you know, if you come from good a good upbringing, you can kind of stay focused, but um even then, that's tough, man. You ask an 18-year-old kid to go to class, wake up early, uh, go to uh, study tables, um, go to team meal, show up to practice on time, show up to meetings on time, and he's hitting that alarm clock thinking, man, I got I got 300000 in the bank at 18. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's one of those things. But uh, like I said, the good programs are able to help, help those kids filter. Mm-hmm, exactly. Flipping up to the Cats. Six and one coming off a bye. Just played at Georgia, number one team in the nation. Uh, you tweeted out, everybody follow Jalen at jwhitlow underscore two on Twitter. Uh, you talked about Liam Cohen, even against that Georgia defense, you basically pointed out that he was kind of getting in his bag a little bit. You said, love the QB play and play calling from Kentucky right now. Honestly, Georgia is just a very good team. So what were you? What'd you see from from Liam Cohen and, and Will Levis against that defensive of Georgia? I'm glad you asked me. Um, so I knew about Liam Cohen before most people did because I'm a guy who absolutely loved the Rams offense with Sean McVay. So I got all their games. I watched I watched their film, like not the games, but I watched their all 22 film, the Titan, the Wild View. I've seen every game for the past, you know, three years, four years of film. So um I know the offense. Now, I don't know what they call things, but I know the offense very well because I watched so many hours of film of him. But um, I think he's a, I think he's a, he comes from great stock as far as coaching tree. And I think he's a super smart guy, uh, brilliant play caller. He, he understands how to deal with his quarterbacks. I think that's what I like to look at too. He don't, and he said, he even says this, you treat your quarterback on game day, you're just a caddy to him. Tiger Woods is going to play, you just be his caddy. 
right? Mistake or not, you know, it's too late to yell at a guy. It's too late to fuss at a guy. It's too late to be super stern on Saturday at 3.30 against the number one team in the country. You're his caddy, right? And it showed, like, that's funny that Will Levis played his best game against the best team that college football has seen on defense in I don't know how long. That's a big deal. Um, so that shows you where where that relationship is and where that coaching is. But at the same time, love the play caller. Will Levis got in the lead on. Uh, he'll play in the NFL. He'll play on Sundays. Um, but I, I love the uh, I love the play calling, man. I love using the tight ends. They use the tight ends. They they kept Georgia off balance with the screen game, right? Um, the play action game was pretty good. Um, Will Levis was pretty efficient. He helped the team with his legs a little bit, which they, they, they will need down the stretch right here. But, I, you know, I like everything about the offense. I love running the ball, but I'm a quarterback, so I like to see the ball in the air too. But um, they got a good balance. when They they are the best when they are balanced. They run, you know, the wide zone, they play action and off the wide zone. They run inside zone, play action off inside zone. Running counter and power, play action off counter and power. That's hard for a defense to get a beat on. So um, – when, when you're rolling like that, man, it makes the job for the quarterback much easier in a system like that because everything is built off of – there's layers to it. The screen game is from the run game, right? Everything starts with the run game. Screen game, the play-action game, the vertical downfield drop-back passing game. I, I just like everything about it. So, you know, I take my time on Saturdays and watch their games just to watch the offense, you know, and study the offense because I love studying it. And I go back on Sundays and watch it again because uh, I don't watch really – I don't really watch NFL ball, so I go back on Sundays and watch the games again. So, I, you know, you know, I know the offense just as good as the players at Kentucky. I feel like – I just don't know the terminology because I'm not in the meetings. But, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I like studying offense, man. I think they got a good thing going. You know, hopefully Kentucky can keep the guy because I think, you know, it's going to be a lot of people after him, man. It's going to be a lot of people after him. Whoever get that LSU job, whoever get the USC job, maybe some people after Liam Cohen. Because uh, I think, you know, he's he's one of those guys that's going to be – you're going to see around for a long time calling the plays. And you you talked about how uh, Levis played his best game against Georgia. And Georgia kind of took the running game away. They couldn't lean on the running game like they normally right. do. And I knew that he was happening. still 32 or 42, and he had you know, four or five drops. Could have been, what, 37 or 42 against that defense when you were really one-dimensional, and you really only had one receiver. One that was really, you know, but they he had a lot of catches, yeah. but, you know, they didn't let him get deep. So they – Yeah, that's – yeah, uh, uh, you know, Wondell is a he, – he's an NFL player, period. And he even dropped one in the end zone, which was a great throw because that's, you know, Will had to put it low and out, low and away. And he he dropped a touchdown on that one. But, you know, the guy could have been, you know, 37 for 42 or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That would have been crazy against Georgia. But that just goes to show you where they are, man. You know, I just think it's not the same Kentucky from when I was there. It's just not, you know. And people don't like to hear that, especially people that maybe play with me or – but let's be honest. Mm -hmm. They got better players. They got a great staff, great defensive coordinator, brilliant. Offensive coordinator, brilliant. Head coach, great coach, right? 
great strength staff because some of those guys are still there that, that was there when I, I I just got done training some a young quarterback myself in a weight room today. And the same stuff that I learned when I was at Kentucky is some of the same stuff I'm teaching him. Right. So, you know, they got a great staff. Hopefully it can stay together long, but you know what happens in this game, you know, people come out to good people. So they're gonna they're gonna seek that staff. But um, they got a great staff, man. You know, and I just hope we stay together because I think they can do some stuff. Will Levis, second year in the offense next year. You know, some of those guys coming back, you know, it could be it could be big. Um, but, you know, even this year, I think they can – I think they can run the table the rest of the year, man. You know, they got that ability. Um, so, if they do, I'm not sure what bowl game they'll be eligible for. But you never know what happened. Georgia could, it could easily lose to Florida. And I say easily because Alabama lost to Texas A&M. Texas A&M lost to Mississippi State. So, you know, uh, we don't know. A lot could happen. You know, Kentucky can honestly uh, maybe still go to Atlanta. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. I don't really know how that is going to shake out. But they right there, man. You know, they're right there. I think if they played, if they played Oklahoma, I think they would honestly take Oklahoma down to the wire. Oklahoma's ranked like fifth. I think they'll beat Cincinnati. Personally, uh, that's just how I feel. Uh, mm-hmm. So Kentucky's right there, man. You know, they just got to finish the season out strong and, uh, you know, see what it, what happens with that. Oklahoma's been playing with fire all year. They yeah. they have escaped, you know, by the – with the hair of their chinny chin chin four or five times. Yeah, I, I'm never a big believer in Oklahoma, to be honest with you. I just think it's a certain brand of football that they play that just – when they play the big boys – they just can't – now, they almost did it with Baker uh, Mayfield in 17. I think they lost to Georgia in the playoffs. But I just think, you know, I love Lincoln Riley and what he do on offense, uh, the quarterback play. I love the scheme. Love it. But I just think it's a certain brand out there that they play, and they're used to playing it the whole year. So when they get to play in Alabama or Georgia, I just don't really think – it matches. And the only reason why they beat Florida because last year because Florida had like 17 guys out, you know. So I just don't – I don't believe in that. I don't believe in the, something about it I don't believe in when it, at Oklahoma. I don't know what it is. I, I wish I could go watch a practice. But it's something about it that they – for some reason, they just don't seem to stand strong against, you know, the SEC-type energy that come at them when they got to play Alabama or uh, Georgia. So – I don't know. You know, I could be wrong. I'm not, like, down in Oklahoma, but that's just how I feel about it. But I love the offense, though. And, look, I mean, they're fixing to see here in a couple years, week in and week out. Texas and Oklahoma are coming to the SEC. You know, not not going to be just, okay, get up for them for a bowl game when you got, you know, two or three weeks to get ready. It's going to be Alabama at LSU. Florida, South Carolina, they're going to be week in and week out on that grind like you played in and like everybody does in the SEC every week. Yeah, the, yeah. It, the thing that may save them is when they get in the SEC, now you may get guys from Georgia, Florida to go there, hmm. Alabama, Louisiana, to go to Oklahoma more because they're going to be playing in this region in their away games. So, um, but if they, you know, with the, with the structure they have and the team they have, honestly, I mean, if they were in the SEC this year, they I think they'll lose five games. If they, you know, if they had a tough schedule, like a tough SEC 
schedule, they may lose four games. You know, I just that's just how I feel. People like to say uh, SEC is not as good, whatever. The SEC is not what it was when I was at Kentucky. It's not. Just honest. It's just not. But when you got to play these teams back to back that may not be as good as Oklahoma, but they almost there, you got to get up every week to play those teams. And people don't realize that. They just look at the schedule and see that team. No, it's the preparation for the team. Every week it's a grind. You got to play the best teams in the country, you know, in a span of five weeks. How can you get your team to prepare well, to stay healthy, to practice well, and to perform on Saturday at noon or 3.30 or 7, you know, for that? That's tough. That's that's a tough deal, man. So, uh, and this just goes back to Kentucky. Shout out to Kentucky for doing it. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 a grind. Even teams like Missouri can slip up and beat you. Okay. You know what I'm saying? LSU's not very good this year, but LSU has some of the best talent in the country. So you go lollygagging against LSU, you'll get beat. Mm-hmm. Go lollygagging against Florida, you'll get beat. Mm-hmm. Vanderbilt, probably not so much. You know, no disrespect, but it just is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Tennessee, Tennessee is an up-and-coming program, one of the most up-and-coming programs in the country. Kentucky people don't want to hear that, but I studied that offense. I studied that coach. I've been watching his film since he was at UCF. Tennessee is going to be a team you don't want to see coming up um, for most people. And that's just the honest truth. It's just hard to stop that offense. They're going to get good players. If I'm a receiver, if I'm a quarterback, um, Tennessee is one of those places that's on my list because I know instead of 60 plays in the game with that tempo, when it's going well, I may get 85 plays. So that may be five more touches for me. So it's one of those things that kids look at because I, I know because I'm coaching these kids in high school and this is what they talk about. So um, – you know, that's one of those things. But, yeah, man, that, that gauntlet in the SEC is not yeah. – it's, it's not nothing to be played with, man. It's, what you, it's, it's brutal. That's right. That's right. You talked about – and, of course, all the, the fans, you know, Kentucky fans, too, are getting optimistic and uh, trying to look ahead. I know the team isn't, but trying to look ahead, like you said, to potentially running the table. You know, six and one, just come off a bye, got five games left, you know, be a historic season. I think they only won 11 games back in like 1950 or 1951. The first stop on this process is is Mississippi State. Now you played against them. You've been down to Starkville and all that. What's tell everybody what that environment is like and 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 what it's like. You know, facing not the the other Bulldogs. They just came off the Georgia Bulldogs. Now you talk about the other ones. Uh, yeah, in the room. I don't know what it is about Starkville, man. I remember. <laughs> we played there on a Thursday night my sophomore year. And it's just – it just rock you to sleep there for some reason. Mm. It's just, you know, it was a very, you know, serene place. It's country. You know, you're just driving and boom, there's a school. So it's like, you know, I don't know what it is. It's always tough to play there. You know, they got the cowbells going. Uh, they got a decent venue over there too. Um, it's always, for some reason, you know, even Alabama in the past recent history, Outside of this year, they Alabama even used to struggle at Mississippi State. We talking about Alabama, so um, they got a, they got a good setup. You know, it's one of those things where you definitely got to come ready to play. That offense that Mike Leach run, like you said, I'm a, I'm a nerd when it comes to studying offenses. So I watched all the film. It's hard to stop. They run the same plays. You sometimes you know what they're going to run, and it's still hard to stop because they run it so much. You know, you fear the man who 
you know, shot the same shot a thousand times rather than the man who shot a different one, whatever mm-hmm. that saying is, right? So it's one of those, it's hard to stop. They can get tempo going. But I think Kentucky's pass defense is so good. Stoops is in, in white. They're so good at, you know, scheming against teams in the pass game. I don't, you know, I don't see Mississippi State being as successful um, as they would against some teams. Um, but I'm anxious to see how the offense come out there by week. You know, by weeks can be tricky on offense, you know, especially when you've got a rhythm mm-hmm. and you've got to take a bye. You know, sometimes it's not good. Depending on how the practice structure is, I'm sure uh, Coach Stoops did a good job of keeping everybody in rhythm. But um, it could be tough at quarterback when you, you come off a game where you went 32 for 42 against the best defense in the country. Now you had a bye week to sit. I'm inter- interested to see how they, you know, keep the pass game, the rhythm in the pass game going. I think the run game is going to be the run game. Uh, you know, tough program. So they're going to run the ball. Uh, tough running back, great offensive line. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm cool there. But it's going to be the pass game that is going to be anxious to see. It's starting to get cooler now, right? The weather starting to change, so the degree of difficulty starting to rise. You know, as a quarterback, that's just one of those things that a lot of people don't really go in depth about, but it does. As a receiver, it does. It is what it is. The degree of difficulty does rise as, uh, you know, temperatures drop. So we'll see, man. I think uh, I think they'll pull it out. But I think it'll be a challenge, though. I think Mississippi State, you know, got got some firepower on offense. Um, but I do think uh, Kentucky can control the game on the offensive line. And last year in Lexington, Kentucky had like six picks against yeah. Mississippi State. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They 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 can scheme. I remember, <laughs> I remember Neil Brown got so mad at me and Toes one one year, uh, one day in practice. I think it was Kemp, uh, Fred Tiller, my my roommate. Um, he he picked both of us off on the same play. They were running cover two. He was so good at disguising it. Mm. He was so good at sinking, like he's bailing out into a cover three type look or a cover four type look, and he would be playing cover two. And we both threw uh, 10 yard or 12 yard speed outs or sail routes right into coverage because we thought he was sinking with the vertical. Right. Mm. So, more of the story is they do an excellent job. I watched the film. Kentucky do an excellent job on defense when it comes to pass game. Excellent. They just, you know, the DBs are in position. They very well coached, fundamentally sound, and they, you know, the ball's in the air, they attack it, right? So they always in position, and that's that's most of the battle, right, being in position. So they'll, they'll get them prepared because, like I said, Mike Leach is not a complicated guy. He, he runs about eight, nine concepts. So they'll be prepared for it. It's just about can you keep up with the tempo? Can you get a pass rush to make the quarterback uncomfortable? Um you know, in my opinion. Yeah. And you mentioned Tennessee because, you know, some Kentucky fans are starting to get a little nervous because Tennessee is a lot better under the hypo in his first year than you expect. You know, you, you, you usually expect you go beat down a first-year coach because he hasn't got everything together, getting his players in, trying to change the culture. But he's got them ahead of schedule. But to your point, they'll come to Lexington off of a bye. So maybe that, that offense might not be humming – I mean, they lit up Missouri. They they put some points up on Alabama. They're starting to roll a little bit. Uh, hopefully, it's a little colder when they come to Lexington. Maybe maybe that'll kind of slow them down a little bit uh, as well. I do think that Kentucky's more physical in the trenches than Tennessee is, from my observation. But yeah, man, t- like I said, Tennessee. I watched Tennessee. I watched them. Tennessee is not too far behind from having a 
way better record than what they have. They, you know, the Pitt game was close. Yeah. It turns out that Pitt is a great team. Mm-hmm. Pitt beat Clemson, even though Clemson's not really the Clemson we come to know. But Pitt beat Clemson last Saturday. Uh, but Tennessee is a Tennessee is a good team. I'm, I'm telling people Tennessee can play. Tennessee, Tennessee can play. Yeah. On offense, on defense, not bad either. But you know, Tennessee can play. Now the good thing is the game is in Lexington. Um, they coming off a of bye week, and I do think Kentucky is more physical. Mm-hmm. So I think when it's cold. The most physical team, football, in my opinion, football always returned back to its origins in the tough games. You look at all the tough games throughout history, whether it's this year or back 1958, is always going to return to its origins. Like people, you know, throughout the years, you know, they throwing the ball down the field every snap. But when you play those rivalry games and it's cold or it's raining, um, you know, some type of adversity, it always returns back to what's happening inside the box. Yeah. That's just what it is. Blocking, tackling, taking care of the ball is always going to return back to its origin. So um, that's, you know, that's the thing. And that's where I think Kentucky got the edge over a lot of people. They built the foundation in the run game with the offensive line and running backs. And now Will Levis can run the ball. That's the X factor. And I tell people all the time, that's the X factor with Georgia too. That's why Georgia will win that championship, in my opinion, if they stay healthy. Because that the quarterback they got right now is the best quarterback for the team. He's passing the ball well, and mm-hmm. if you if you go to sleep, he's he's actually fast and he will beat you with his legs. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's what Kentucky can beat people late in the, late in the season. Will Levis um, is is a good athlete and he's big too. He's hard to tackle. So um, that's where I think they got the edge over some people, and it's going to help them out. Absolutely. Now. Flashing back to your time in Kentucky, what was your 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 most memorable play, your favorite play, your favorite game, favorite moment? You know, something that when you think yeah. back and reminisce, what jumps to your mind first? Mm, most memorable moment. Uh, one of my most memorable moments was the uh, I think it was. Our 89, 88 yard touchdown run against Alabama State. That's right. And I say that because, you know, Alabama State, I'm from Montgomery, Alabama. Mm-hmm. You know, Alabama State, you know, was a few exits away from where I used to live. So I had a lot of, there's a lot of people on that team I played against and with my whole life, literally, since I was five or six years old. Yeah. So that was a unique game for me. Um, very unique game. I was just coming back off injury, I remember. Almost didn't make it to the end zone. I was so tired because uh, I, I had an ankle injury. You remember, I got the ankle injury against Alabama, and I really wasn't able to practice. You know, I really couldn't walk for a week. So, um, and I was, you know, I limped my way through practice, and I, on that run, I didn't even feel the adrenaline. I guess, but but that was that was a memory for me um, because it's one of those things where everybody from my hometown was watching that game because mm-hmm. of me and for everybody else who played on Alabama State. So that was big. Um, and honestly, just just being at Kentucky, developing relationships, I developed a great relationship with, you know, a lot of people. So, um, you know, a lot of people that I talked to to this day. And Bud Dupree actually lived at one exit from me uh, in, in Atlanta. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. And that's crazy. And I hadn't even seen him yet because he's so busy, with you know, doing everything. And I'm so busy with my thing. So, um you know, when he come back here, he I think it's one exit. He may be one or two exits. Nate Willis live here. 
uh, we got a lot of guys who live in this area that, you know, um, hopefully they don't mind me sharing that, but uh, a lot of guys who live in this area that I, I just made good relationships with people. You know, you know, I, I'm one of those guys who I wouldn't, I hate to, you know, I make sure, you know, we are on good terms with people um, and, you know, we, we develop good relationships, but yeah. So I think, you know, that run was probably most memorable. Um, getting in the game against South Carolina after Max, you know, had that unfortunate injury my freshman year. That was that was miser- uh, memorable and miserable because I took a sack the first play uh, from Clowney and whatnot. But uh, I just think, you know, those things were memorable. I mean, you just look back on them and whatnot, and, you know, those things kind of kind of stick out the most. Yeah, and – that is your run against Alabama State. You answered everything I was going to ask about it. It's still the longest in Kentucky history by a quarterback. I believe so you're still in the yeah. still in the record book. So and- that's that's crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's wild. And our, it, it was a pass play. Like the play we ran, we ran a play that they run a lot now, which is like a naked boot type play off of zone. Um, and it was a pass play, and you know I just saw a crease um, and, and just hit it, man. But Marco, um, Marco Robinson, receiver, you know, helped me out a lot on that play. He got some good blocks. He's also from this area too. So, um, but yeah, man, it, you know, that was, that was a big one right there. I think that may have been the longest run for a touchdown that I've ever had. Wow. Um, unless I had one against, you know, in, in little league or something, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I ever had a run that long. I had one my senior year of high school, uh, to win the game. That was like 76, but, that was probably the longest touchdown run I've, you know, I remember having. And just one more quick thing too. We talked about the ACC, which it's it's kind of been down for several years compared to other conferences. I mean, back years ago, it was Florida State and Miami every year, and they were ranked in top five nationally and and all this. Now Clemson is down. You look at those divisions, how weird it is. You, you know, Pittsburgh and Wake Forest, and you know, it's the whole conference is just upside down over there. The coach of Virginia Tech is on the hot seat. It's crazy on the ACC right now. Yeah, it's it's wild, man, and uh, it's kind of shocking to see Clemson take a nosedive like that. Um, to be honest with you, with the recruiting classes that they've had, yeah, um, there's some holes somewhere. I don't know, can't quite put my finger on it, but you know, it's hard to have that many top five recruiting classes or top 10 recruiting classes mm. and lose and, and and almost get beat by some of the teams they almost get beat by. So, um, struggle you know, offensively, dude, just yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's, that's weird. But at the same time, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't care. Cause at the end of the day, I don't even watch ACC football. Right. You know, I used to watch Florida state when Jimbo was there, but that's it. You know, and I, I watched some Clemson because Clemson was good, but I used to like watching the offense. But there's nobody else over there that I really like watching. Um, I like, you know, sometimes I watch the quarterback from North Carolina. Um, you know, yeah, Wake Forest is undefeated over there, so that tells you a lot about that that, that conference. That's they true. need they need some they need some serious realignment over there. Yeah, yeah, man, gotta talk about our sponsor. They've been sponsoring the podcast for. Uh, quite a while talking about lots of rain watches uh, you just became a uh, 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 endorser of the product as well uh timeless style they're affordable you know water resistant there's accessories bands anything you like lots has got it for men and women several different styles the red crest 
Oh, the Voyager, the new Atlas that just came out. You can pre-order it. They got a whole line of watches. Because look, man, when you go out, if you're casual, if you're dressed up, they got something for any kind of occasion. That way you don't don't have to look at your phone to tell the time every time. You know, you right. want to have a nice timepiece on your wrist, kind of cap off whatever it is you're wearing, whatever look you're trying to right. have. La Terrain has got it. Dave and Ben, those guys are great, man. And you look, if you go to LaTerrain.com, L-A-T-O-U-R-A-I-N-E.com, you can hit the chat button and it's not some automated bot or something that responds. It's actually the owner himself. Dave will get back to you and answer your question. So whatever you got, ask away. When you go make your purchase, tell them you heard about it on the Believe in Kentucky podcast. You'll definitely be happy with your purchase. And I know you just became part of the La Terrain family yourself. So, you know, good stuff, man. Yeah, man, I did. You know, happy to be a part of it. Um, you know, definitely looking to start wearing more watches. I'm a G-Shock guy, man. I, You know, I've had, from you know, I bought a G-Shock my freshman year of college at, at the mall in Kentucky. I wore it for like seven years straight um, until they finally gave out on me. And then I bought another one that I've been wearing for a couple of years now. So, uh, but I got I to gotta become more diverse. You know, I'm getting invited to weddings and stuff now. I guess I'm at that age where everybody want to get married. So, um, so I'm, I'm becoming more diverse. So I'm, you know, just trying to expand my horizons. But yeah, I looked on the site, you know, scoped it out. Man, there's some great stuff on there. Some, some, you know, they're nice. And they, you know, they they look great. They the price isn't crazy, so that you know they're nice and affordable watches. Um, so it's good, man. I'm happy to be a part of it, man. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, tell them you heard about it. Uh, tell them you heard about them on the Believing Kentucky podcast. Yeah, listen to the podcast. Heard Vinny and Jalen talking about them, and I'm here to get myself a watch. Man, Jalen, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to hop on and, and talk some cats, talk ACC, we talked offense, talked about your book. Plug it one more time, prepare, let everybody know so they can get a copy of the book, parents and athletes alike. Prepare the guy to a successful collegiate experience for athletes and parents. I mean, you, you encompass everything. Yep. So, um, you know, some information in this book, man, that, like I said, I wish I had as a 17, 18 year old, you know, getting ready to embark on my uh, collegiate experience. If I did, you know, you don't want to go back and look in the past, you know, hindsight 2020, but there's a lot of things that um, can be approached in a different manner. A lot of, you know, these kids are 18 coming into college, 17, 18, maybe 19. Uh, you just don't know what you don't know. Um, so, as far as organization, um, you know, time management, uh, manager relationships, right? Managing your social life, um, you know, how to build your brand up, right? How to interact with fans. And I mean, it's, I go, I go, you know, crazy with some of the information in here. And it's just, you know, it's a lot, it's some random stuff in here that I've got, you know, hidden in here that, it's just, you know, you won't find anywhere else, just to be honest with you. And I'm not saying that because of my book. I'm just being honest. Um, you know, I just, you know, I had some ideas. I wrote them down, started typing them out, and I just think it'll help a lot. So if you're a parent, you got an athlete, go to Amazon.com. Just type in, you know, prepare in my name, Whitlow, or whatever you want to type in. It should pop right up. Boom. 
um, I can I'll continue to post a link to it and in order that um, you know holiday season is coming up so it'll be good to get get your athlete one of these that's right that's right man you wise beyond your years Jalen man keep it up and I appreciate you taking the time to hop on here this night this evening man I appreciate you having me man have a good night hey you too definitely have to get you on again sometime Y'all be oh, sure yeah. to check this episode out. Like I said, go to Believe.com or Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, also, a sea of blue. You know, Jason Markham and the guys to put this episode up on their website. So go to Sea of Blue and get it there as well. Uh, it's been another episode of Believe in Kentucky presented by Bet Online AG. We'll see y'all next time. Everybody be cool. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.